0: Hola, hola, mi gente, and welcome to another episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to share the stories of everyday people doing positive things in communities of color. I'm Jessica Yanez, your host. In this episode, I had the opportunity to speak to my friend Vanessa Miranda. Vanessa is an IT project manager based in San Diego. Her main focus is connecting smart, diverse programming to impactful community initiatives. Her background is in marketing, information systems, and supporting her community as a diversity and inclusion leader. She supported nationwide IT solutions and strategic cybersecurity projects for diverse clients. Her passion lies in creating co- opportunities for others and amplifying women, especially in communities of color. She's launched two Women in STEM nonprofit-based, nonprofit chapters based in San Diego, Latina Geeks, and Girls in Tech San Diego. Her partners have included Microsoft, Amazon, Qualcomm, ESET, and more. So grab your glass of wine and join us for some STEM and technology chismet. Welcome to another episode of the Wine & Me podcast. Today I have my friend Vanessa Miranda. Vanessa is formerly the Girls in Tech San Diego Marketing Director and most recently Managing Director and Vice President of
1: Latina Geeks. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you. I'm excited to be on. I am
0: so excited to have you here because I think what we're going to talk about today is really important. So to have somebody who's in the throes of STEM and knows so much about that is really, really exciting. But before we get to that, we have to get to the wine before we get to the cheese man. <laughs> so today we are drinking Josh Sauvignon Blanc from Josh Cellars. It's a North Coast Wine, vintage 2018. Now it couldn't really say vintage if it's 2018. I mean, to
1: each their own. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what do you think of this particular wine? Let's see. Let's take a sip. Mm. it's very fresh. It's really citrusy, and I don't know. It just really tastes really good. Like you can have it with a good side of pasta. You can also have it with fruit.
0: Yeah, I like I it really because like it. it is citrusy. I'm not a big sweet person and this isn't really sweet and i know i keep getting wines at trader joe's but you know what they just have a really good price point <laughs> yeah. and i got this wine at trader joe's for 10.99
1: i love it it's really good it's really fresh i would buy it again
0: <laughs> all right so now that we've gotten to the wine and i will include the wine as long as along with a picture in the show notes it's time to go to the chismet you ready we are ready. <laughs> all right. So I know you currently live in downtown San Diego. You don't live far from me, mm. but
1: you're originally from LA,
0: correct? Yes. What part of LA are you from?
1: Um, I've loved all, all over East LA. So Huntington Park, Southgate, uh, Boyle Heights for a minute. And then now I live, oh, my family's from Hacienda Heights most recently. Okay. Awesome. A little
0: town next to Whittier.
1: Okay. No, I
0: actually know where Husky at the mm-hmm. Heights is. That's where Fergie is from.
1: She is. <laughs> she went to the opposite high school as ours. So that's like our claim to fame. Is Fergie from Husky <laughs> at the Heights? That's the claim <laughs> yeah. to fame. So
0: I know you're in STEM. I know you've worked in STEM for a while. Were your did your parents have experience in that? Like
1: they, what were what was
0: their background?
1: Their background was not in STEM at all. My mom is an HR specialist. She's worked at different um, big corporate entities. She traveled all over the United States to kind of teach different corporate firms how to, I guess, be more human resource centric. That was her job. So my parents weren't in STEM, but I always saw my mom in a leadership position and, and just always working too, most importantly. So what... Grow so growing up in that
0: area, growing up in not an area that where where you where you came from a family yeah. that was in STEM. What was it that sparked your interest in there?
1: Um, I found myself spending a lot of time on like MySpace and different online communities, so that was always interesting to me. My background was in art. I wanted to be an art curator, work at art galleries, basically live this like really bougie life, having like beautiful art galleries with wonderful artists all over. Um, and it wasn't until I started actually working in the field I realized okay, I need like a real job where I get paid, benefits, all these different things, which really exposed me to corporate America. I was working at a financial firm that was national, doing more different things with mortgage, and um, once I kind of got in there, I got really in touch with like the digital marketing department, which was very like not I wouldn't say STEM focused, but they were doing a lot of stuff online. So instead of like working um. I don't know, I guess it was digital media that kind of introduced me to STEM, I would say that.
0: Okay. Yeah. That, so, I I laugh when you say you want to live this bougie lifestyle, because let's be real, you kind of still, you still do, let's be, but it's in the best, funnest way possible, so I wouldn't ever, I wouldn't say that in a negative way. I actually used to work in a mortgage company as well, but Mm -hmm. I feel like the time you were doing it and the time I was doing it, it it's probably two totally different times and everything. So what, when you went into, or did you have the opportunity to go into
1: digital marketing? When I was working at the mortgage firm, I did get to create some of the content that went out internally in regards to like newsletters, like little things with, with HTML within, it just went out to the company, which was really exciting. But when I moved from Los Angeles to San Diego, I knew I had wanted to work at some sort of tech company or digital media company or somewhere where I could be creative with my, you know, with my skill set. So when I started working in tech, it was through marketing. I was a marketing manager for an IT firm. I was a pretty small IT firm under 20 people. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of flexibility and to dabble into like operations, logistics, um, account management. And essentially I grew from the marketing manager, to the account executive, to the IT project manager within that organization just because there was a need for it. And I was very vocal about how do you do this? How do you work with that? Um, really understanding what the engineers did on site. And sometimes I would find that the engineers couldn't talk to our clients. And I was a perfect person to kind of translate the technology and translate their needs.
0: So you were basically the bridge for that. Of course, Yes. That's really cool, especially coming from an art background, you wouldn't think that's gonna yeah. how is that gonna translate into a text? So that kind of goes perfectly into my next question in regards to what type of roles there are within STEM that aren't necessarily that you don't necessarily need a math a math degree or to be an engineer or to be a scientist Absolutely. and everything. So how do people like what type of roles are there for people but particularly where do you find that women, where do you see that women have excelled yeah. in STEM when they don't have that type of background
1: Definitely I definitely see women um excelling in like the operations like, like um accounting all the kind of stereotypical human resources type jobs but I tell everyone now doesn't you don't have to focus so much on the technology just focus on what you love because that position will be available within A tech or STEM company. So, if you absolutely love research, you love collecting data, all these different components, you can be a data scientist scientist at a company, which is very STEM background, but it's a little bit of a more like targeted STEM career. If you love crunchy numbers, your whole thing is accounting. You can be an accountant at a tech firm or at a life science firm or or different things like that. So, there's a lot of crossover now, and I think a lot of companies are trying to hire outside of that quote unquote, computer science, you know, background or degree, so that you can bring a little bit of diversity of thought to different solutions, because obviously, what they've been hiring for a long time hasn't been working in a sense. So now they're just trying to really open up who they're bringing into their organizations. So if you want to be like an engineer or a coder, you absolutely do need that background. But so many people have gotten backgrounds in writing, and then they do a coding workshop, you know, for six months, and then they transition into STEM fully. So your, whatever your degree is in, it should not hinder you from like wanting to work in STEM. Wow. I mean, when you hear STEM, to be
0: perfectly honest, it's a very scary word, yeah. especially like I'm somebody I'm in my early forties and I hear STEM and I'm just like, what? I think it's great. I think that there's, I think that it's great that there's so much opportunity mm. I personally don't see the opportunity for me because it's a scary word like yeah. how do you well what do you think can help smooth that that it's frightening for some people to hear that because they see absolutely. where they're at and they don't know where to go and or they don't know how to transition and they just hear that word
1: Absolutely. I think that if you're willing to learn and grow, as long as you have curiosity and you're coachable and you want to learn, you can absolutely thrive in any industry, not exclusive to STEM. The reason that STEM seems so scary, it's because you think you have to be, you know, an expert coder or like, you know, that it's this whole white tech bro culture. So it is a little bit off-putting, but you need to find your communities within STEM that want to support you. And you also just have to be really hungry and ask questions. So my, you know, I always use myself for an example, I'm thriving in a technology space now, but it was through many, many obstacles. I don't come from a, you know, computer science background. I didn't work at a tech company before. So my company really had to take a chance on me by me saying like, I don't know this, but I want to learn this. And once I was there, I put in the work to show like, I really want to learn this. I really want to thrive. I will listen to podcasts, go to show, I mean, go to like talks, different stuff like that. So just becoming more familiar with the language and finding what you like before I thought I wanted to be an engineer. And then I started, you know, practicing it. And I was like, I eh, it's not for me. I like working with people. So yeah, to each their own, you know? So I know
0: that you were involved with Latina Geeks Mm -hmm. and Girls in Tech San Diego. How did those come about? I believe you brought one of those actually. Did you bring both of those to San Diego or did you, I know one of those you brought to San Diego. Yeah.
1: So again, like when I was working at the tech company, IT firm, there was no women on our West Coast office. So it was just really interesting. I just thought. That's the way it is, you know, all men and me, one. one. Isn't that horrible? Yeah, it's
0: really interesting. And not only a woman, but you're a woman of color, you're Latina, so.
1: Yeah, I was a young Mexican girl, like, in this kind of white space with all older men, and I was just assuming that was okay. Um, I started looking for, like, women in STEM organizations online. I found a lot of Twitter communities, a lot of marketing for it. And then I started to go a little bit deeper, like Latinas in tech, Latinas in STEM. And that's when I came across Latina Geeks, which was super amazing because they were based in L.A. They were co-founded by two Latinas that worked in digital marketing. So they kind of saw this, you know, this void for women that for Latina women that are interested in STEM. So they started doing a lot of, um, I think, showing like geeky gadgets, showing like different women in technology that were Latina. So that was like a, it was mostly an online community until they pivoted to a workshop. I drove up to LA, I think it was Irvine for their first workshop. And it was so powerful. I met so many incredible women that were all either directors at their companies or, or just different like levels of professional, like where they were professionally. And they were all there to learn how to code, you know, just like a very intro thing. And it was really cool to see that momentum. And I connected with Anna Reyes, who is a good friend of the two co-founders. And her and I were like, let's bring this down here. Let's figure out how we can do this down here. And through her connection at Microsoft and through the girls in tech, um, the girls in tech San Diego community I had already been building, we were able to bring that organization down here. Um, It's been super wonderful. And I've met such brilliant Incredible women through Latina geeks and through girls in tech as well.
0: What were the what were or what is the focus of those two separate entities? Obviously, yeah. I'm sure they're similar in some ways, but yeah. different in others. So, what between the two between Latina geeks and girls in tech? What are the focuses of each, and what do you think? you know, should be aware if they want to Definitely. plug into some of these types of organizations. Definitely.
1: So Girls in Tech San Diego, they launched and I I think one month after they launched their list, I jumped onto the leadership team and I was serving as their marketing director and they really serve so they're girls in tech, but they serve women who are just coming out of university up to, you know, X amount of years old trying to change their career path that they already work in STEM. They're focused on career development, education, engagement, really trying to create this space of like women in STEM so that if you say work at this company, and I work at this some company, we can connect because networking and resources and all these job opportunities are always shared internally before they're shared to the world. So I'm a big advocate of kind of like networking with everybody that you can to do stuff. Um, I would say Girls in Tech is more focused on like leadership development, career advancement, those types of groups, and then Latina Geeks is definitely into that as well, but they do a lot of really great workshops like intro to coding, intro to cloud computing. So they're really trying to introduce this technology to you that you might already be using. So if you use Google Drive or like Microsoft's, you know, SharePoint or OneDrive that you're already kind of playing around with cloud computing. So it's easy to break it down and say, hey, you're already using this stuff this is just what it's called. So it's not scary anymore.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So I need to ask a question because I have seen you post and seen other people post about what this is. And I really honestly don't know what it is. What is a hackathon? I've seen you do, I've seen you post things in regards to a hackathon, but honestly, I just, I've seen some movies that they're like, yeah. but what really is a hackathon and what, What's the purpose of it? I've seen hackathons for Columbia, hackathons for Sanford, like different yeah. things. So
1: what exactly is this? Okay, it? <laughs> so a hackathon is so funny. So a hackathon is basically like a competition, and they could all be focused on different technologies or different initiatives. So like, for an example, our hackathon, the girls in San Diego, one that we would have, it's called Hacking for Humanity, which which comes from Girls in Tech Global, the San Francisco's headquarters. They have this program, it's called Hacking for Humanity. Your, you know, members or whoever spend one to two days working to solve a solution. And you can use technology to solve that solution. So in San Diego, we had battling, you know, sexual assault, hate crimes. This most recently, we focused on veterans issues. So we'll have teams that come and they use our product marketing, project management, developer, software developing, all every single background that they have excuse me, they use it to create something so that we can judge how good that would be out in the real world. So do you work, they work in teams? They work in teams. Some are more, ours is pretty chill because we just want to introduce like a team like mentality and we want everyone to work together and not be scared by tech. So Mm -hmm. ours is like intro for everyone. We have high level, low level, we have everyone come. Whereas some hackathons I know are a little bit more intense and they'll have I don't really like that hackathon culture because you're there and you're like two days straight, like two days really spending the night working hard, and that's like a mentality that we don't want people to go into. So ours we have like healthy food, yoga, because you shouldn't be working in this super high tent, like high pressure, high you know production, like. You should be able to create something meaningful, but also taking like moments for yourself. So, long story short, like a hackathon is basically uh, a one to two day, who knows how long event to create a solution. The technology that they want to highlight or judge you on varies per hackathon. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That makes so much more <laughs> sense.
0: Yeah. Because I would, like I said, I would see it and I totally is over my head. That's not my yeah. realm. And I'm sure there's people listening that would have no idea what the heck a hackathon is. So I figured I would ask the question.
1: Definitely.
0: So where do you see, like, where is the opportunity? Because obviously when people that work with tech, when you work in tech, it's a very male-dominated, not only male-dominated, but it's a very white male-dominated mm. work culture. Where do you see the opportunities for women of color in general to be able to not only learn but to truly flourish when it comes to tech and STEM.
1: definitely it's pretty difficult it's like a, a pretty hard question to answer i'm going to try my best but you know i have to i've tried very lightly on like always calling myself a woman of color because i definitely have like a lighter skin privilege so i just mostly try to go to different um communities like black women in tech as well as like different latinos in tech poc and tech events and really understand what other struggles are because I feel like even though I'm Latina and I'm a minority and I'm a woman I haven't had the same struggles as maybe others so I feel like community-based events are always really important because those like I said those jobs those opportunities get shared within these spaces and I wouldn't necessarily want to tell you know my black homegirl like oh you should go work at this company if there's not already systems in place to support them because then you're basically telling them like I don't know. I guess it depends for everybody. You have to learn how to play the game a little bit, which sounds so nasty, but I'm reading this really good book called The Memo by Linda Hart, and she basically mentions that sometimes white men are your advocates, so instead of always trying to, like, push against everybody, see who's actually willing to get you to the next level. For women, for Latina women, for, like, POC, Black women, there are so many opportunities based on, right now, we're, like, hot commodity everyone wants to hire us so we have a lot of power in really picking the right company that aligns with our core values and our core missions because you can go to a company that's all about diversity all about inclusion and then if you really look internally you'll see like it's it's all marketing for them so I would just really encourage everyone to be very picky about where you're going because we have the power we're making these companies look better right now because they all want to hire the next woman the next black woman the next latina all these different aspects you know so i would just say like own your power yeah which i'm i'm glad
0: you said that because i'm like complected as well mm-hmm. my last name is very like you i can't not that i would mm-hmm. ever want to get away mm-hmm. with from my last name but my last name is very like in your face yeah. like this woman is Latina, she's Mexican, whatever.
1: Definitely.
0: But I know that my, you know, being light-complected, I know I have a lot more privilege and a lot more opportunities than even some of my cousins who are a lot darker-complected yeah. than I do, than I am. So it's it's always interesting to hear that and to, you know, I think it's pe- it's important for people to understand that. Definitely. So I'm so glad that you said that because you're right. Like I can't tell my black friends what their experience is going to be at a particular mm-hmm. company because I can't even tell like my darker, conflicted Latina or Latino friends what yeah. it's going to be. We because... really
1: can't tell another woman because we don't know. What it's gonna I be mean, like.
0: you know, and everybody has a different perspective everybody mm-hmm. has a different experience. I know that I am very bold. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm not somebody who shies away. I've had to learn like how to pick my battles.
1: A hundred percent. In yes. regards
0: to that, because I think when you are just in general a person of color you know, and people know that whether they see your complexion or not, yeah. as soon as they know, they're ma- they're already making an assessment. Of course, of you. as
1: soon as they find out yeah. you're Mexican or whatever, there's all these little microaggressions. that before, it's so interesting to just look back. On like work now that we're talking because I remember there'd be certain microaggressions where I'd be like, "Oh, okay," and now I'm like, "You can never talk to me like that again." What, like what? Um, I remember when I was younger and like I would say, you know, my name is Vanessa Miranda, and they would be like, "Oh, you look white," or "You talk white," and I'd be like, "Okay, cool, whatever." Like I would never think anything of it, and now I'm like, "How dare you?" You know, like I always make sure to say my name like Vanessa Miranda because I really want to take up that space that I can. And I've also learned that not everything requires a reaction. Not everything requires me to be fired up or want to, you know, teach them something. It's almost like you're contributing to the spicy Latina. I'm using air
0: quotes when I say this. That spicy Latina narrative that people want to put onto you, right?
1: Typically, if I'm in a situation where something weird gets brought up, um you know it never is directed towards me now I'll just say like I don't think so I like I think you're wrong so I've really learned to just own who I am and not trying to push it on anyone but just try to bring my authentic self there you know there was a while I was working with an organization and I remember all of our our you know speaking engagements or programs that we were throwing on would have all white women on there and they were just like we're diverse, like, great. We care about diversity. And I would just be like, well, not really because we have all white women on this panel. And, you know, there was always this weirdness of like, they, their, like, their definition of diversity was men and women to them. If they have all women, they've, they've done their work, which is okay for them. But I have no time to try to teach someone to unlearn all their core values and relearn how we're really trying to doing, trying to do stuff now. So the best thing you can do as like I think a lighter person or as a person with privilege is sometimes I've been invited to places to speak and I'm like, no, this is not really like I would love to be here, but I think this person might be a better fit. And this all stemmed from a girlfriend of mine who was invited to speak at a conference and she's like, Oh, they wanted someone Latina to speak here. And like, although I recognize, you know, I identify with Latina and with black, I think like that's more of your space. And I was just like, Oh, it's super cool that she could have had this opportunity and she said no to it and she opened it up to me. And that was one of like a big highlight for me to speak on this panel. So I just felt like that is so cool. And I always want to be that person for other people because not opportunity, not all opportunities are for us, you know? Yeah. And I think it takes somebody with true vision
0: to understand that mm-hmm. and to realize that where that opportunity is for them, you know, because, you it's it's hard when you're getting asked to do something. I know me. I'm like, like yeah, yeah. I want to do it. Yes. But then I think that's so awesome mm-hmm. that your friend recognized that. Yeah. That takes a lot because you're taking yourself out of it. Like that totally is taking your ego out of it.
1: Exactly. Because of co- who doesn't want to be of recognized? Course. I want to be like on a billboard or something, <laughs> but maybe that that particular thing isn't for me, you know? So I really have seen this last five years of like working with all these women in STEM or women in leadership or people that are building community is like the opportunities are endless. So there's more for everyone. There's there's more than enough for everyone. So I just feel like we're good. Do
0: you, Are there any type of virtual? Because you might have somebody who may not live in an area that's close yeah. to. I mean, obviously, we're in San Diego. You we're freaking a badass for bringing something here, yeah. for recognizing something in L.A. and being able to bring it here. We're so close to L.A. to be able to work within that space. Totally. But then you might have people who aren't necessarily close to that. Do you have any recommendations of where they could go to start to start learning the steps that it's going to take or getting in touch and networking with people, even mm-hmm. if they're not close to you know, a central hub.
1: Absolutely. I would definitely recommend going on the Latina Geeks um, chapter members, private Facebook group. So many great jobs get shared in there or like good articles on how to ask for negotiation. There's a lot of powerful women in there. A lot of women that are also trying to like network. So Facebook groups are really cool. I like the we all grow Latina one. There's a Latinas in tech one that I really like. There's a Women in Tech Facebook group. Those are all Facebook communities. I know a lot of people are moving away from Facebook. So the next organizations I would say would be like Women in Tech Newsletter, Girls in Tech Newsletter, Latina Geeks. I think they have a newsletter, but they have a lot of content on their website. Um, Tech Ladies is another great organization to follow. And... I feel like Twitter is one of my favorite places to connect with different people. So Twitter, I can't believe it's free because it's like the best. I have a love-hate
0: relationship with Twitter.
1: There's a lot of shit on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know if you can say shit, but there's like a lot yes, of stuff on shit. Twitter. And you just have to shift through the mess. And there was a moment I was following like fashion and this and that. And now I've just created it to be like only interesting things and memes. I love memes. So like... <laughs> I don't know. Find your, find your communities online because that's where, I don't know. I've met all my good friends online and in person, but online's a really great place. That's how we first connected. Yes. How we connected. And even like how we connected, you said you wanted a specific thing. When I had it, I was like, Oh, here already easy. So ask the internet for things that you want because someone on there will say like, Oh, here you go. I don't need it. You know?
0: I think that's so cool. I mean, the internet is really a, definitely a place where you can just connect. Can you imagine how this was? Like when I was, 20, even 20 years ago, you know that yeah. the first, okay, so I'm totally going to age myself and it's, it's cool. okay. It's okay because I look good. I look good.
1: But age is powerful because you have something on someone that doesn't have that experience. So I always feel like the older I get, the more powerful I'll be. So it's just kind of like, don't even try me.
0: <laughs> you know, I feel the same way. The yeah. less bullshit I take as I get older. But I remember the very first, talking about like ancient technology, right? The very first computer <laughs> we ever got yeah. in our, my mom ordered off QVC and you needed a literal cassette tape.
1: Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, it was before even a yeah. floppy disk. Oh my God! It gosh. was a cassette
0: tape, and then obviously then it evolved into where you had the floppy disk, and everything was through commands that, that you had so to do. Crazy. And then after I after I graduated high school, is when we progressed mm-hmm. into like is really when the internet kind of took off after I graduated high school. So I can't even imagine. I mean, let me just say because obviously technology embodies so much. It mm-hmm. embodies you know our social media it embodies even creating gifs and memes and there's so many different things that you know rely on technology that i am so glad that i am not that i didn't grow up in an age of social media thank
1: god we didn't because if anyone can like find my myspace now embarrassing like don't look for it it's <laughs> gone I think I deleted mine but honestly I, just, I have no I, sure I'm pretty sure. mine. I remember but I always just freak out like oh my god that content's out there in the world somewhere but you had your top five friends yo right But I think it's also important to what you say on social media what you say on the internet unfortunately now is like um, another version of you so you have to be really mindful of like who you're supporting, what you're supporting, what you're liking, because that can be tracked over and over again.
0: So speaking of that, I don't know, have you heard of the novel American Dirt?
1: Uh, yes, I Okay, have. so speaking
0: of, like, technology and how, like, the foot, you know, yeah. how you have your footprint everywhere technologically. Yeah. And we were talking about being, you know, a woman of color and how you mm. use that and everything. And the... It, this author, because of technology, people can find things that she said as recently as a couple of years ago not saying she's Latina yeah. identifying herself as a white woman and then all of a sudden she writes this book and now she's like, oh I'm Latina, my grandmother's Puerto Rican yeah. when she never like identified with that before. And to me and I said it in my my very opening podcast, like my first language is not Spanish, but I identify very much with my culture. Mm-hmm. I've always been very close to my culture. I've always identified within my culture. So to me, language does not convey culture. Yeah. It's who you feel and what you what you feel inside and how you convey that and how you live your exactly. life. Exactly. And so this whole thing's talking about like what you do can come back to bite you. Yeah. There's just been like this upward because you can see all the things that she's done. Even if she takes off where she got a manicure. Do you, I don't know if you saw that. She I got a manicure that. of like, Oh, my nail design has not looked so has never been so great. Well, it was the book design and her book design is a barbed wire.
1: Yeah. It, right now Latinos are like, one of the best investments anyone can make everyone's trying to jump on this like Latino train any way that they can, which feels a little bit like super cool to be recognized, but you also have to align yourself with the right people. Cause even I see people that weren't Latina five years ago that all of a sudden are, which I think it's okay. Maybe they never had the opportunity to like be fully themselves again, I always like to think of people with like their actions speak louder than their words. Mm-hmm. So I'll see people that are one hundred percent faking the funk, but again, it's not. I that faking the funk. <laughs> it's not my thing. Yeah, exactly. It's not my thing to tell them anything. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I also went through a period where I like felt I was too Mexican, so definitely try to assimilate into whatever was trendy at the moment, which was like OC, Laguna Beach, different things. And then you get out of that phase and you realize like, hey, my culture and who I am. My parents come in here from Mexico, my grandparents, like the stories they have to say, we have so much, I'm so blessed to get to like live in this world and really do every single thing for myself and for me only. My mom, my grandma, my grandpa, they didn't have that opportunity because they were like in Mexico trying to figure out how to get here. So I never try to like use that or take that advantage of that, you know? Um, I just can't believe that people can be fake Latino like that, you know, I just think like even for Oprah's book club to, you know, put it out there, there's someone's not doing their checks and balances where you know that these organizations are white at their core. Because yeah. if someone was up there that was anybody else, they would be like, "Oh, let's find it. before we freaking highlight this book on a national level, let's make sure it's okay." You know,
0: I think that just goes to show you what, like, where the power when it comes to publishing lies. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And
0: if we don't have a voice, a true voice at the table somebody will speak for us yeah. and that voice doesn't tend to be authentic because even she said herself that, Oh, I wish someone Browner would have written this for me. Well, there have been, there are instances that you can do comparisons. So I'm giving you homework if you want it people <laughs> that she's actually pulled instances from other authors, other Mexican and Mexican American authors and used them in her book. So it's a set. I mean, it's, it's really crazy, but because we have technology, you know, and you don't think of it when you think of STEM, you might not necessarily think of
1: that, but that yeah, all kind of, of rolls into
0: it, Definitely. right?
1: Because it's you have a digital profile, whether you like it or not. Everything you do online is like hella tracked by Facebook or whatever Venmo, whatever tool you're using, your information is being tracked one way or another. Just, it just is. And that's just the world we're living in. And that, that data is also like, the new currency like your data is being sold left and right everywhere so that's so crazy yeah it's really crazy because i just feel like i mean what happened a few years ago with the presidency like we're gonna see something really insane again and it's it's a lot to take in. do you
0: are there i'm sure there are companies trying to combat that just as there's companies, do you think are As far as what you feel or what you know within the tech industry, do you feel that there are people within the United States that are true American, but that are contributing to that?
1: Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people that want to do the right thing, but the power of like monetization, like the power is too great. I don't want to sound like bleak or like, I feel like we can change, but it has to be like a, a whole culture. We all have to understand how like this affects us individually. Cause I hear a lot of people say like, well, I don't care if like my stuff's all over the place. I have nothing to hide. And it's really not about having to hide or anything. It's just about having your own like civil liberty. You should be able to decide. Yeah. Now
0: there was a, that the law that just went into effect in California yeah. that you have, that you're able to determine how you're, information is yeah. used and you can tell companies to not sell your information to not use your infor- totally. and you can ask them I, where they're selling absolutely. it to
1: but at the same time like do they are do, are they gonna follow those rules like TikTok for an example like it's a Chinese company yeah right? like they are mining your data so heavily and it's like the number one app right now but it's so unsafe to use but it's like the next big thing I,
0: I it is a thing I have it and I don't even know how to use it no. I feel like <laughs> such an old I totally yeah. related to your meme yes. that you posted in regards to just having no idea I feel. I totally feel like Golden Girls age when it comes to TikTok. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. I got it because you know working. You have in, to know. The yeah, you work
1: in digital media. You have to know. And
0: like, I am, I am totally Sophia Sophia Petrillo when it comes to <laughs> like TikTok. I have no idea how to use it. I think I've posted two things just to try and play around yeah. with it because but yeah it's also like you know your stuff's being mined and there was i believe there was a huge article on that in mm. regards to how much information that they're mining and yeah. you know people are i think more concerned about the entertainment factor than anything else
1: absolutely i feel like the next revolution that comes is definitely going to be like a tech revolution i don't know it's i'm always like reading all these different Things and I just feel like I don't know what's gonna happen next. What I am excited about is that I'm refilling your glass, oh, by thank the way. You. <laughs> yes, I drink a whole glass, <laughs> but I am really excited about this next generation of young adults that are coming into the workforce and kind of seeing everything going on. I was just at a conference this weekend called Generation She Makeathon. that, like, Shameless Pug, my best friend, created this nonprofit that's to support high school girls to become entrepreneurs and founders and leaders in their world and these girls are so smart they're in middle school like 14 15 16 17 and they're creating um products for sustainability oh my gosh
0: i saw your instagram posts.
1: I, I just feel like coming to that conference coming off of like all this kobe stuff and like trying to be the best person ever i just feel like I'm so inspired by them. They want to change the world. And also, how do I change the world or the space in a more meaningful way, too?
0: So speaking of, we're actually recording this two days after uh, the news of Kobe Bryant came out, and it is, that's one in one instance that not only media, but technology is just really cool because you see people sharing these things mm-hmm. from across the world and tributes and and everything that's happening and things that he said in the past in regards to where he believes people should go. He was a big proponent of girls, yeah, uh, girls in sports and all sports. And, you know, his daughter, you know, God rest their soul and everybody else who was on that, on that helicopter. But that's kind of an instance of um, a digital footprint that, you're so glad is there.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That you're just like, Oh my gosh, I didn't really realize he said this. I'm actually going back and looking on YouTube. I've been looking for old interviews mm-hmm. that he did things that I had already kind of saved, but I never went back mm-hmm. and actually looked at or, or watched or listened to. And he was very succinct about his message. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm a storyteller. I want to create opportunity. I want to promote girls. Like, I want to show Absolutely. girls that there's opportunity. I want to show kids, you know, that don't necessarily come from the most favorable circumstances that they can do it too. There's a space for them too. Like he had a very distinct message Absolutely. that he wanted to get out. And now, you know, thanks to technology, those are things that we'll be able to continue to relive and rewatch and listen to, you know, for forever.
1: Absolutely yeah that is so beautiful and I think we're so we're fortunate in that way that we can also connect as a community because just you know we were all we were mentioning before this how where we were at the specific time that we found out and why just it hit us so deeply and it was like because he was uh, a community organizer in a sense that he brought multiple people from multiple different backgrounds together so the message that he still lives on. It's like, let's be great. Let's be the best that we can. Let's give back what we have. That was like his ultimate underlying, you know, gift, I think, to all of us.
0: Yeah. There's a quote that I've seen several times that he said, and he's like, that he said that he doesn't understand lazy people. Mm-hmm. I don't understand lazy people, and I don't want to understand lazy people because I don't want to be around. La- and I was like, damn, because I know I have moments of laziness. Right. I don't even know if he – I feel like – I don't even know if he ever had moments of being lazy. I feel like he was always like engaged in something, whether it's like, if he was sleeping, he was sleeping hard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he had the lights yeah. off. <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah. when he's it? with his yeah, he had the earplugs, he had the head, like he was that.
1: sleeping, he's
0: going to sleep hard. Yeah. He's with his girls. He's going to be the best dad, his girls. He's with his wife. He's going to be the best husband, no matter where you like, it was, I feel like no matter what, he was always like the best at whatever.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And if if you said reading back his interviews and reading back the things that he said, like, even someone was like, Oh, you're the best. You're the best. And he's like, I'm not the best. Like my team makes me great. There's been times we lose and I scored 40. There's been times I, I, we win and I scored 10. And he really brought it always back to like. Team, teamwork, trying to be the best, putting in the work. And I think that can apply to anything in life as a professional or, you know, trying to grow yourself.
0: My gosh, I love that. All right. Let me ask you a couple something else. Like, so now that you're where you're at in your career, and I'm sure you see, you have ideas of where you want to go. What do you wish you would have known when you started in this, in this path of STEM?
1: I wish that I knew that um, I have the power to do it then than I do now. I always thought I had to put in all these different things into it to finally be considered like a person in tech, and I already had it then. So all I would, I really wish is that I knew that I feel like I gave myself more obstacles than needed because I wanted to be at a certain level when now that I'm meeting people and I'm like, Oh, you do the same thing I do, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. So we like trip ourselves up. Yeah. We like to make things more difficult for ourselves. Like I, I wish that I, but again, that's part of the journey. But if I can like cut that journey in half, you know, (laughs) it would just be like, you already have the tools that you need and there's ways to like finesse those skill sets and tools that you have to be in a position that you want to. Of course you have to put in the work, but if you aren't working in tech now and you want to work in tech in a year. You 100% can do it. Just everything that you have at this moment, figure out how to pivot it to technology. Do you think that there's an, I mean, I I
0: referenced earlier that I'm in my early 40s and there's certain things that sound scary. Do you feel like there's still opportunities for people who are mid-career and they want to completely switch careers into something more tech, more tech dominant?
1: I think so. Um, Again, you know, the power of the internet and being able to learn absolutely anything. You can go on LinkedIn learning. You can go on lynda.com. You can go on YouTube. Linda, Linda. lynda.com. Yeah, lynda.com. Actually, Linda is a woman that created this like workshop series where you can learn anything and LinkedIn bought, bought it from her for like several million. I'm sure. So I'm sure. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, there's so many tools. Internet is your friend if you use it in a meaningful way. There's so many things you can learn. And again, you're working in PR, if you want to work PR at a tech company, you absolutely can take everything you've already done, turn it around and like apply it to technology. So
0: So with that, what is something that you're curious about right now?
1: I'm really curious about cybersecurity. That's always been like, I've always dabbled in it a little bit. My last company, I was able to create a lot of cybersecurity and like solutions for national clients based on you know, as a consumer, what I saw. So it would be really cool. Like you have so much power as a consumer, as a user, as a client to really kind of do different things. My favorite thing right now to learn is um, cybersecurity on the side. My fiance is in cybersecurity. So I just think it's like a really interesting world to do it. And on a side of that. So it, you're a tech couple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The tech power couple. Oh my gosh. One day. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I mean that I'm also curious about like how people use the internet because there's a lot of children that are using the internet and they're not getting the opportunity to like grow and be themselves because they're trying to create this like whole persona online, which I think really sucks. Like we were saying, I'm so glad I didn't grow up on Instagram under the age that I am now because I really think it would have been unhealthy for me and everybody's always trying to emulate somebody else instead of just yeah and I think it's like a known fact that Instagram our lives looks amazing all of our lives look great like they look the best ever but you know that's just like a tiny portion of your whole life you know my life looks beautiful on Instagram because I'm not comfortable sharing like my darkness on Instagram which I think is fine but also I want people to know like that is a small percentage of like this whole entire complex life that everyone has. It is.
0: And I, in fact, over the weekend I had posted something where I was crying because, you know, it, you know, just having a lot of anxiety and I'm not somebody who normally has a lot of anxiety, but with everything, I've just had a lot of anxiety over the last several days. And I just kind of felt like if I'm asking people to be vulnerable and share with me, then I needed to be the same. Yeah. Which is not easy. It is not easy at all. But you know, sometimes to hit that send button when you're, because you do, you want everybody to think, oh, everything is everything is great. And you know, I will definitely say, for the most part, I love my life and my life in general. I cannot complain. But that doesn't mean that there are not dark days where I'm not sad or where I'm not emotional and what you know. I think it's so important for us to all share that because now we're all looking. I don't personally. And this is not a hit to anybody who does. I don't personally follow like any of the Kardashians. I don't do because they're not who I emulate to be. Exactly. I'm me. I don't need to emulate anybody else. I think taking, I think people forget that inspiration and emulation are two different things. Absolutely. You know, I could be inspired by something you do, but just because you're doing it doesn't mean I need to do it. That just, I could be inspired by your work ethic Mm -hmm. and that can make me work harder. I could be inspired by, your style, yeah, and but find the style that works exactly. for me, you know. And I think yeah. that's important for people to know that you don't have to. I'm assuming that most of my audience will probably, you know, it yeah. probably fits within that people who maybe they have kids and maybe this is their opportunity to listen to this with their kids and say look you don't need to be like everybody else because we're all like each other that is so boring
1: seriously and I feel like high school I am my own weirdo I don't need to be anybody
0: else's weirdo I
1: always tell high school girls I'm like everything you're doing right now is not gonna be it the second you get into college everyone becomes themselves immediately it's almost like like a snap honestly I remember everyone in high school conforming the second everyone got into college everyone just came out and be their their, their real freaky selves and I'm like we should all be that earlier on you oh girl you
0: should see me and my friends I, ha- I will show you after this podcast <laughs> yeah. I will show you pictures of me and my friends all in our little chola style yes. we all look the same yeah and sure now we're all different
1: totally <laughs> understand can relate <laughs>
0: so what is something and it doesn't need to be job related or it can be, it can be whatever, but what is something that you failed at that you feel like you failed at? And how has that, what did that teach you and how has that affected you?
1: Definitely. I think most recently I didn't put something of value as important as a person that was telling me it was a a work. uh, My boss actually, she had something that was really important to her and I just did not, could not understand why it was because I had my own you know perception of it whatever maybe ego maybe pride all these different things and it really burned me and I really want to stress that sometimes we may not agree with something but someone in a position of power really values us so we need to remember that like hey they're still in charge you know and that's you have to agree with it but you can support it exactly exactly you don't have to agree with it but if it's your job and it's your livelihood (laughs) and all these different things think about like does this really align with who I am. Do I take a step away? All these different elements. But I think that a lot of issues could have been not like it could have been non-issue if I just would have paid a little bit more attention to someone else's feelings other than my own. Gotcha. How do you feel? Good. <laughs> <laughs> to say. <laughs> good,
0: good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So I close every podcast and I appreciate you like sitting down and, and talking about STEM because I think it is so important, especially within communities of color. I think it's so important and in particular women, because it's such a male dominated industry to know that there are opportunities for us. So thank you so much for sharing like different things, all of those different resources that Vanessa has talked about will be in the show notes. So we'll make sure to get all of those things, we want to make sure that we highlight that so we have a resource for people to go to if they're interested so i like to end the thing and i think i sent you these questions so these ones shouldn't be too too hard what is your favorite word
1: um audacious Ooh, Mm, i I like that that. why is that your favorite word because it just feels like extra and big and like just giant, right? Audacious. Like I have an audacious goal. I have an audacious meaning. like all these different things. I really love how big and powerful it means. So like, that's what I'm trying to aim for always to be nice. audacious in my life and in my goals and in my actions.
0: I like I like that word. What is your favorite hobby when you're not working?
1: Um, I guess most recently running. It's pretty <laughs> fun. And I love happy hours. Like I love coffee dates and happy hours. I feel like it's such a nice way to connect with different friends
0: yes well I love wine so
1: (laughs) yeah it's like happy hour a hobby
0: (laughs) I know I say yes it is socializing (laughs) okay so I'm gonna ask you two different things on this what is your favorite since you grew up in LA what's your favorite hometown restaurant Mm
1: -hmm. okay there's this one place on Kalima oh my gosh I can't remember oh it's Hacienda Village Meats and it has like Really great Italian food and really bomb, like, deli sandwiches. And it's, like, this tiny hole-in-the-wall place where they have, like, Italian meats and cheeses and all this stuff. And I just remember walking there after school with my friends and even as an adult and even with my brothers. Like, it's just, like, a little staple.
0: And then in San Diego, what's your favorite place?
1: San Diego. Wow. I like Hector's Mariscos in Chula Vista. Super Ooh, bomb. Oh, we're going to have to go.
0: I've never yeah. been.
1: Super, super bomb. And sheesh I guess the tacos said gordo is really good but honestly I go to TJ a lot to eat it's like the best
0: it is and it's cheap yeah. you can get like really fancy food in TJ for nothing Dude, they're artists <laughs> they're the best ever okay wine do you have I know you you no. I said red or white but I know we're drinking white you said white or rosé so white or rosé
1: um, sheesh. I love rose. I love, love rose. Okay, do you have a specific kind of wine? Yes, there's a specific rose that I love from. It's called like La Finca de coradio or something like that in lupe in our organic winery. It is the best rose you've ever had because it's not sweet whatsoever. It's Ooh. just like a very, rose really isn't that sweet. So, like, they make it, it's delicious. Valladolupe de is like. The number one distributor of like Mexican wines all of Mexico's wines nice yes. I love that, so that places the bomb and your social media
0: handles where people can follow you
1: um so it's at Miranda V but I spell it a little bit different so it's M- at M-I-R-A-N-D-A N D A four V so like the last A is a, a four and that's my Twitter and my and my Instagram. Okay. So and you had a happy hour one, right? Oh yeah. yeah. And I have at happy hour queen underscore. That's my finsta as <laughs> the kids call it. So I put all drinks from all over the world and all of my different travels.
0: Well, Vanessa, thank you so much thank for you. being here. I'm so happy that you were able to be one of my first three guests. Absolutely.
1: Thank you for having me. and I'm super excited to see what you continue to share and congratulations on being vulnerable and like getting this shit out there. Well, salud. Saludos, guys. Until next time.
0: Thank you so much, Vanessa, for coming on the podcast. You provided so much valuable information in regards to careers in STEM and technology, I know that a lot of people will get a lot of value from that. So I want to make sure that I thank you. I do know that we touched on the novel American Dirt. So gente, I want to make sure that I let you know that after Vanessa and I completed this interview, the author of American Dirt, Janine Cummings, was on the NPR Latino USA podcast interviewed by Maria Hinojosa. So if you want to know more about what the controversy is about or more information just in regards to the book as a whole, I suggest you go on there. And that is, again, in Pierre Latino USA. So as always, I want to make sure to ask if you have a story that needs to be told or know someone who does. Then if you do, please reach out to me via my social media channels. You can reach me on Instagram at The Wine in Chisme. And on Facebook the Wine and Chisme podcast, because I want to hear your story. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe. Rating and reviews are always appreciated, and those five stars are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos!